This show is sponsored by Hive Mind CRM. It is more than just a CRM. It is a real estate and business mastermind that comes with an all-in-one CRM. You can have unlimited websites and users. You can call, text, RVM, and email all-in-one user interface. And you can set up custom automations for any type and multiple businesses. 65% of companies start using a CRM system within the first five years of business. Once implemented, the hive mind will save you on marketing, give you more time, and make more money. One of our users had his first $100,000 month using our system in June. We want to see you automate and accelerate your business. Text us at 210-972-1842 for future meetings. And of course, to get our $1 course on how to make more than six figures on one land deal. You can schedule your free demo today at hivemindcrm.io. So you're you're submitting offers, you're getting feedback, but it's bad feedback, right? Or some people are saying so this is where you give them multiple offers. You can give them like different. This is where the owner financing comes in, where if they're willing to take 30, 40%, it's always a win. If they take terms, it's still a win. So you can offer that owner financing terms and give them more money, but they have to owner finance it. So yeah. you guys have to create possibilities, win-win possibilities in general when you're making offers like that. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's a little confusing because like I'm in, Let's say I'm in Travis County, Harris County, Bear County. Then I'm in California. I'm in Riverside, San Bernardino, LA. Yeah, it's so, it's gonna be it's gonna be different for each market. Like you might be able to offer more in the LA market, but in the Travis and Bear County, you might be able to get away with a little cheaper offers. Harris too, or no? Harris too. That's Houston. Mm-hmm. Or is it Dallas? I think Harris yeah, is Houston. Houston. Besides California, you can kind of get away with more stuff when you're making offers. It really, it's really been varying on your market in general. Just, just keep on putting the offers out there. If you're not making offers, you're not going to get yeses or nos, and you don't know if you're getting any traction at all as a whole. So it's yeah. one of those things where good, good, good feedback is feedback. <laughs> good or right. bad feedback is feedback. So you can kind of adjust from there. You said uh, 30 or 40%. Then I saw Baskar said that you could go up to 64%. Would you recommend that? It depends, up, it depends what you're trying to do with your exit strategy. Wholesale cash offer. Um, it depends what the ARV is because he might be looking at the at the tax at the appraised value, which you can do probably six percent of, of the appraised value, but you still might you still might get a deal in general. So when taxes we use the appraised value to kind of get us like a baseline, because usually the appraised value is gonna still be a deal no matter what. So if let's say the appraised value is 50 grand, hey, we'll give you we'll give you the appraised value for the property. And it's usually still a good win just because the appraised value is usually undervalued based on the, on the market value. Definitely. Yeah, because I had uh, I submitted an offer today on one uh, by Lake Travis in Lago Vista. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the lots are going for 60. I offered 38,400, which was 64%. And then the guy, the feedback was that he has offers at 10K higher than that. I was trying to call him back to see why he hasn't accepted, but he didn't answer. Yeah, you just got to follow up with these people, man. Most people, the reason we like land and targeting land is because they're, they're sitting on it for a long time. So putting them on a follow-up system is, is essential just to make sure whenever they're ready to sell, you're that person to contact. So basically keep giving these offers until I get that one person that's motivated. It's different for most people. Like I know I went to a sales training and they're like, don't, don't even give an offer if they're, if they're not ready to, don't even give them an offer if they're not ready to sign a contract today. 
And that's one of the things where if, if I make an offer, will you sign a contract today? Oh, no, I'm just thinking about it, shopping around and don't even make an offer. So it's one of those things where you have to make sure if you do make offer, they're ready to sign. Because if they're not ready to sign, it's no point in making offers because you're just wasting yeah. time. I just had one of those up there in uh, Palmdale, Lancaster. <laughs> There's a lot of new construction. And I was putting too much thought into it to do the comps. And then I just called the guy. He's like, yeah, I'm not even looking to sell. So I told him, yeah, I'm not your buyer, but I'm going to follow up with you. Maybe if something changes in the future, maybe I'll be your buyer. Yeah. Uh, but saying I'm not your buyer discounts you as the actual person. So they might feel at ease to negotiate with, not even with you, but they'll consult with you because you're, you're not saying the person's actually going to buy the buy from them in that transaction. So they'll, they'll, you'll change positions on them from a buyer-seller transaction to a seller-consultant transaction type of deal. And you can maneuver your way into becoming the consultant versus the actual buyer. Mm-hmm. One thing that you're adding about is, and we're doing a lot of training with Josh and Tiffany, results-driven. And there's a lot of things to get out of the way before you give an offer. And I'm not going to do this justice, but one of the things is is to deal with any of the influencers saying, well, you know, if, if you decided to sell this lot, who, you know, is there uh, anybody that you need to talk to or be upset? You know, you want to try to get the influencers out of the way because sometimes they'll have a cousin or wife. And then one of the other things to say is, so if I can get authorized, we come to terms, you're definitely to sell today, right? So there's little things like that that you can do to make sure that that you've already taken two things to make sure that they don't have that influencer show up later. Oh, I got to talk to my dog, you know, or whatever. And the second thing is to make sure that they're ready to sell. And I would, you know, I would get that commitment before you even give the offer. And so, you know, we're, we're spending a lot of money on this training, but it, I think it's really important to get really good sales training because we're realizing how much money we're leaving on the table. We're putting offers out there. Then people are shopping our offers. So I think it's real important to, to get some good training because these people will manipulate you and run you all around if you don't have great sales techniques, which we don't have. I agree but with that. Thank you. To Uncle Carl's and everybody else's defense is you don't have to have the best sales training to get started. So for everybody, I kind of back up a little bit. To get started, you can just go with what you know. Once you get to a certain point where you can afford sales training, like the highs or Steve Chang or stuff with some people like that, or even John Martinez, stuff like that. You can actually use those techniques because like I said, I went through sales training and a lot of the stuff that I've learned and utilized has come through a lot of these different sales techniques. So make sure you're getting a lot of information up front and they're ready to sign before you even make an offer. Because if you're making offers, wasting time, like Uncle Carl said, and you're not making your, you could be utilizing that time to actually talk to people that want to sell. So it's one of those things where it's a balancing act, but you get be- you get better the more you do it. And it's just practicing, man. Practicing, practicing, practicing. If you were just getting started, I mean, what what steps would you take as far as marketing, as far as well, I'm basically studying what what you, how do you study a market for land exactly? What are what are those steps to make sure like you find a good area to market in? It depends. And I, Uncle Carl looks like he's ready to jump on this one too. <laughs> it's going to be varying. So like Joe, who's, who spoke asked the previous question before you, he's in Texas, he's in California. He's working a lot of, he's working a lot of different markets. It's really going to depend on your comfort zone. So 
people in California, like me and Joe, I, I really don't recommend doing like land out here just because it, it can be a little bit overwhelming, especially here in California. It might be better to go to easier markets like Florida and Texas, just in general, because there's a lot of buyers buying out there. There's a lot of expansion going on out there. Whereas California, they're already expecting everybody in California. If you ever marketed to California, everybody knows they have like an amazing asset and they're usually not going to let it go for cheap. So you really have to dig into motivation when you are uh, talking to people out in California. But if you're just starting out, Texas and Florida, those, those are going to be really, really good markets. And then like Uncle Carl here, he's in North Carolina. That's where he is. So he really understands the market. He really understands the laws. He really understands a lot of his own backyard. So that's where he exercises and plays in his realm is, is in his backyard. So if everybody's going to be different, but if you're looking to get into it, Texas and Florida are pretty easy in general. And they're a lot easier to make deals. Okay, because I'm, I'm in Florida now. Well, I'm, well, I reside in South Florida. So would it be like up north, like Orlando? Would it be... All um, Florida's hot, man. All Florida? All Florida's hot. That We have clients doing like 20 deals a month just off of just in Florida alone. I mean, I think the problem I, I came across when I was marketing out to buyers was, I don't know, some buyers are hesitant to work with wholesalers. It's not like, again, when again, I wholesale, like I said, single families, and all, it's a little bit different. Like I said, they're a little bit more spec, uh, skeptical working with, I don't know, that's just my experience. But again, I haven't been doing it uh, for that long with land to know exactly, is there, a, is, is there a specific verbiage? Is there, you know what I mean? Is there like, what's the word I'm looking for? Is there specific builders that those doesn't work for, that doesn't work with wholesalers? Or is there a way you put in a contract? where you can do a double close you know i mean is this stuff that those are like the challenges i guess i'm I'm coming across with the builders i'm coming across like they don't want to work with wholesalers because you don't own the land i gotcha it's going to be making making offers man you're you're the buyer and if you're not if you're not the buyer if they're too high i might not be the buyer for this property you kind of separate yourself from that actual buyer position to get, get an angle to make yourself the consultant into the property and they kind of talked about as far as different th- techniques to just pivot your way into this, but it's not land is a lot more, in my opinion, is easier just because people sit on it for so long or they inherit mm-hmm. it. It has no, there's no core value to it. Like a house house might be passed down and their, their grandma lived in it. Like there's going to, they're going to be really sentimental value there and like emotional toll on it with land. They just let that stuff go. Mm-hmm. Hey, Daniel, one thing I'd, I'd like to add back to when they're talking about before you made some great points about you got to try to figure out their motivation. That's mm-hmm. so key. You know, sometimes we do a couple things. One of the things that we're getting double the amount of land deals by tweaking a couple of things for the infill lots. We just call them up and said, Hey, I noticed you've got a lot over at one, two, three main street. And I'm just sort of curious, are you guys planning on building on the lot or, you know, what are your plans for it? I like these open-ended questions and get And then another important thing is, you know, as you're talking with them a little bit about it, say, hey, if you were to sell the land, you know, I'm just wondering, you know, what, what would be the reason? Is it just you're tired of paying taxes or, you know, you want to find their motivation. I think that's so important is to figure that out. And another thing for us is we concentrate like in Mecklenburg County. So I've got a couple of really good la- realtors that understand land and I've bugged the hell out of them. And I made a deal with them. They can get some of my listings and different stuff, but I don't know the values real well. And so a lot of times I'm off. So it helps to have a realtor understands land and have builders. And I'll say, look, you can get a 3% fee. You sell it for me. 
So I would make sure that you concentrate in one area, you get a good realtor that you work with because you can run these comps on prop stream or different stuff, but there's nothing like a good realtor that understands land that can help you. So that's from the second things. And then you need to learn stuff like a little bit like the GIS, the easements. Is it a flood lot? What's the topo like? That's important. And then also, this is where we absolutely kill it. We learn about the zoning and subdividing. I'm sorry to cut you off. Like, how do you, is there like an app or is there like a website? Um, I'm in Florida. Like, how would I know exactly what? A couple things is would be like for us, for the zoning, there's a zoning department. And then I read, I read through all the stuff like R5, you need 50 foot of frontage and a certain amount of stuff. So part of it is just pull the zoning codes, read them and learn them. The second thing is get a really good surveyor that understands these niche stuff that understands land also that can tell you about that. And we spent some time with builders and I also have a really good variance attorney, David Murray, that I run questions by and and in networking. So it's like, here, here's, here's back to that example. In Charlotte, you need R5, 50 foot of frontage to subdivide for R5. Well, I look for these lots that are, have 100 foot of frontage. And then I'll give you a quick example. There's one in Oakwood that we bought for 32,500 full value. And then I just subdivided it into two. And we sold it for 55,000. You know, a lot of it's just learning the zoning, looking for double lots. Look, look or when your leads come in, is a double lot, is a triple lot, is a house with land. And then, you know, how can you creative subdivide it? We bought this one lot, this weird shape. And I just went to zoning and said, hey, can I, I surveyor, can I do this and this? And it, it was a lot that we were able to subdivide into three lots. So you can make a ton of money by learning how to subdivide lots, how to do variances, how to assemble and re-subdivide. But it's like find a really good variance attorney or, or, or somebody who's really good with the, the zoning and read all the zoning laws, talk to some of your builders, and then try to learn these little – there's all these legal loopholes too. Like we do variances on lots that are too small to build on. We look for these lots. We bought one for 500 bucks. We sold it for 95000 You know, So we've learned how to do variances. So it's just – it's just learning, talking to attorneys, reading the zone, getting great survey, surveyor and a really good real estate attorney in your pocket because you could be leaving a lot of money on these table if you don't have to subdivide lots. If you're not looking to see if it's subdividable or what is the zoning on it? Is it multifamily 22? How many units can you put on it? So I think specializing in like a couple of really good areas and learning them really well. Uh, and then you look for those, those value adds. Now, I mean, when you're t- when you're dealing with sellers, I mean, nine times out of ten, they don't always know if if the uh, land is, let's say, for example, if it's a flood zone or if it's if it has septic or do they always know? I'm, f- I'm pretty sure they don't always know that information. And you can go on the what the county, well, your county to ask those questions, correct? So FEMA flood maps is you can find any any flood zone property. You just type in the address or coordinates and stuff like that, and it'll pull up the FEMA flood maps. Um, it'll have like the 100-year flood zone and all that, all that type of different stuff. So even if you're in a flood zone at all, usually the sellers are going to know if it has utilities. In most cases, they're going to know if it has utilities or what can be done on it. There's very, very rarely that they don't, they don't know that, but usually they're, they're going to know that. And then isn't a break all thing either like we sell properties without utilities other properties utilities it depends on where you're marketing in general 
but I don't like utilities. If it has utilities, it's not stop you. And because what I'm doing now, don't have flood maps stop you either. That's the other thing too. <laughs> We've sold okay. Because I've come across properties with with like they're in a flood zone, but I've, I sent them out to buyers, and buyers are like, yeah, it's in a flood zone. They can't basically do nothing. So I'm like, how would you? I mean, would you sell it to like? A, how would you sell a prop a land with a flood zone? Is it what kind of buyer usually buys those type of uh, lands? We we sold several to flood zone, and, and this is what we did. I just called our zoning person, the person in Mecklenburg County who was in charge of flood lots, and I said, can you sort of show me about these flood lots, what you can and can't do? Then I also found. So anyway, she put on a half an hour thing. And I've learned that you can take, depending on how far it is in the flood zone, there's layers that you can sometimes build the soil up or you can build the foundation up with special vents. There's stuff you can do to take them out of the flood zones. And there's even companies that specialize in that. So just because it's a flood zone doesn't mean it's a bad deal. There's some flood zones you can build into and some you can't, but you're going to have to learn that or find somebody who's expert that can help you with that. Because we bought this one flood lot for fifteen hundred dollars, and we sold it for forty two thousand. Jesus Christ! And we still have we still have another one we bought for fifteen hundred that we're probably able to get fifteen thousand for. But th this oh. is what I did was really cool. I looked, I pulled up the flood zones in Charlotte, and I found a house that sold for like six hundred thousand. So I went back through and I looked at the guy that bought it, and I called him. And he hired some kind of special company and they took it out of the flood zone and he paid him money. And then he built another house and sold it. So I think it depends on how bad it's in the flood zone. And so it's like learning, you know, what can you build on this in the flood zone? And then there's, even if it's in the flood zone, I have a Yahoo theory, which if I list it on Facebook marketplace, there's always some Yahoo will buy it if you get it cheap enough or if you own or finance it. We've, we sold lots with bad topo and other stuff. We just put them on Facebook market. Sometimes you list them in the MLS and some dumbass will come along and buy them. So if you get them cheap enough, you can sell them. But flood lots, I would try to, you know, probably in two or three hours, you can educate yourself and find some kind of expert that can help you. But don't, they might have value depending on how deep they're in the flood zone and how if they can be taken out of the flood zone. I would try to learn that because that could be a small little niche there. You can make a lot of money on. Yep. It's so crazy. Cause like if you, if you learn that one thing for your city, you can just start targeting that bread and butter that works and you sell it to the same person over and over again. And it, it, there was a gem there that Uncle Carl said that he, he checked on the buyer or the builder of that property and asked them the questions because they already had done the research and successfully overcame that. So that was a job right there. <laughs> Biggest thing I'm going to say on that is an elevation survey is what you want to go after. And you can really find, depending on how good a deal it is, get an elevation survey and that elevation survey will tell you how to get it out of a flood zone. There you go. Thanks, David. There's going to be so many. And like when if you hit it, Claude, in like Florida, you might want to talk to somebody who's doing the same thing in Florida that you want to know that, okay, hey, I have this lot. Would it be a possible deal? Do you have a buyer for it? Because there's a good chance that people that operate in your in your market already have sold plenty of lots like that. Because in Florida, flood floodplain lots is it's a every other lot. You know, it's going to happen a lot. Mm, okay. So if you talk I mean, to like, people, it's still walk you through it. I mean, like what I'm doing now, like I said, I'm doing like the standard. Um, like when I'm fishing for buyers, I'm doing like how I do for when I'm selling like properties. Like I buy, like I 
basically I'll pull a list from PropStream of like end buyers and see if they're buying in, in, in certain cities or zip codes still. And I've come, like I said, I've come across a few buyers already, but it's just what my challenge now is just more of like knowing, like I said, what I was, Uncle Carl is basically saying, like knowing like the different uh, zoning codes and flood zones and if, like all of that information. Of course, if I can know what I'm able to do with the land, it would be easier to sell. And another thing, this is a really easy way that, that, and I still do land this way, is I've got several good realtors. They have a lot of people, land people. I've, I've, I've looked to see who has the most listings, got to know them. And then I just have this deal. Like, again, a lot of times I don't really quite know the value or the end buyer, but there's a lot of these realtors that have the end buyer. And I don't mind paying a 3% fee to them so they'll help me determine the value they'll determine they can look a little bit at the zoning and and a lot of times they have a lot of buyers and it's good for them because there's not enough land right now these builders are desperate for land so if you could do some research and find somebody who's really good in your market that's selling land and they'll they'll have buyers for you too plus they'll tell you how to price it and i do this all the time i'm like okay what should i pay for this lot I don't know. And they're like, okay, Carl, you need to be between 20 and 30 on this lot because I can sell from 40 to 60. I'm like, okay. And that's a good way to do a very simple way to do the land business. And, I, and they'll, they'll even say, look, I got a buyer for this area. So that's just, that's a real simple that's way a, to, that's a real simple way to. I'm a big fan of getting your own real estate license, man. You become that person. What do you think about that, Carl? I think it's good, but I like, for me, I like relying on experts, somebody that really knows the values that has the value. Aren't you an investor? Aren't you that expert? Not at that. No. I mean, I can sort of give you a range sometimes. That's your field you're specializing in. You're trying to specialize in that land and you're telling me you're not an expert. That'll make a whole lot of sense to be honest. Well, just, just listen. Okay. I am one of the baddest at putting together deals, seeing niches. And that's where I spend my time on. And yeah. Dan, tell you that at the same time, the riches are the niches. I agree. Knowing, yeah. So I'm not as knowledgeable. I mean, I'll go on and, and, and I'll look at some of the sales in the area and I can get a guesstimate, but I've befriended all these realtors and they have buyers. So I can just say, Hey, I think it's worth X. And they'll say, Carl, you're, you're okay on this one. No, no, this one's worth 70. It's not worth 50. So it is a weakness of mine, but I'm okay it being a weakness because I concentrate on other things and I rely on a land expert. I think it's a good idea to learn it and do it. I think that makes a lot of sense what you're saying. For me, I would rather rely on the experts, you know, when I can call my buddy Edwin up, hey, I got this lot over here. What can you sell it for? But that I do think you're right. It's good to get the training and learn as much as you can, but you're still going to need some people that are experts that really really understand it that's just my opinion though i just have my license i think it's a great investment to get your license you can see all that data that you're looking at and then no no reason you have to you don't have to listen to yourself or whatever but you can see all that data for yourself and i think it's a huge benefit as an investor to to just be aware that that and not just rely on a third party but you are you can verify that third party and i think becoming an expert is a huge huge deal because there's a ton of realtors that also don't have a clue i love using them but i would never 
rely solely on on one. There's few that are smart. Don't get me wrong. There's definitely some few badasses, but I yeah. highly recommend yeah. spending a thousand dollars to get your real real estate license and verifying your own data has been one of the biggest game changers in my eleven year history as an investor. No, I think that's I, I no, agree. I think that's I agree. Yeah, I'm excited just to get on this call. I was just excited to see it, but I want to give everybody a quick on the very first thing y'all talked about on closing deals, asking what their motivation is. I'm gonna make it a lot simpler. Ask for the ask for the price, right? The guy said he offered him sixty five thousand, and the guy said he got an offer for seventy five thousand, right? What I would ask that seller is like, hey, exactly what you said. Why why have you taken it? So if I gave you an offer for seventy five thousand, no option. Would you take that right now? He says, no, you, you ask them for what they're selling it for. Ask for that asking price. What, what would it take for you to sell that, that, that land? Would $85,000 do it? So if I sent you a contract for $85,000, you would sell it right now. All right, let me get on the phone with one of my partners. Let me see what I can do. I'll get back to you. And then, you know, right. So then you can go back to your buyers and you can be like, Hey, I know I can move this to you for $90,000. Right. And then if your buyer says, no, I needed an 80, then you go back to Mr. Seller and you're like, Hey, Mr. Seller, I want to get you that 90, but the apps I could, I could close this tomorrow if you'd sell it to me for, for 70, right? Cause you got to buy it at 75. I just want to give a little perspective on how another way to make that deal work. Yeah. Appreciate that, David, man. Yeah. There's no wrong way to do it. It's just, you got to learn through doing reps. So all good feedback, all good feedback. Yeah. And uh, uncle Carl is a beast at what he does. And I think is where there's a, he, he, there's a quote is he was a master of everything is a master of none. So Uncle Carl is really good at lead generation. So that's just one of the things he's really good at. So and like I said, I'm good at software. So that's all I focus on. And my partner's good at negotiations in real estate. That's what he focuses on. So you don't necessarily have to focus on everything. You just focus on whatever you're good at and kind of hone that skill. Because if you hone your skill, there's always a, a market for it. If you build that strength up enough, you can always fill in the gaps with other pieces. Other pieces are people. So there's a book called Who Not How. And there's always a who there's always a who that can facilitate what you need done. So that's one thing I'll say about that, but great, great conversation. I mean, we, we covered a lot so far. Uh, any else? Have, oh, look at he, who, not how he got the book right there. Who's this? Oh, Dan Cardona. <laughs> He's got the book. No, it's good. It's good. So there's so much insight to go. Like I stop for, for side note, like I stopped cutting my grass. It's like, I know I don't know how to cut grass. It's just, I have a better use of my time in cutting grass. And if I could pay the guy to cut the grass, I'll cut it in 15 minutes, which is basically 30. Hey, Claude, you're breaking up. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was talking to myself about, I was looking up stuff on the, my zoning area and I was reading. I'm sorry about that. You're good, man. No, that he gave he gave a really good tip, man. There's so much, there's so much information. One of the cool things about Florida is Florida lists everything online. You can find tax delinquents. You can find all that stuff. Whereas others. Yeah, they're pretty, like, yeah, they're pretty like cool with everything. Like they'll put all all the information out there for you they're pretty like flexible with everything i think like i, said, I have a, i have someone that i can go to in my county so i'm just trying to get all the data that i need and figure this out because i think i'm overthinking this process also yeah this front-end process is really simple man you just gotta do marketing talk to sellers and eventually if you get enough sellers somebody's gonna want to sell it to you at a reasonable price get under contract and then partner or find a buyer on the back end really really it gets simpler the more you do it but it's just exercising that muscle. Gotcha. Exercising hey, 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 Daniel. Go ahead, Wayne. 
Hey guys, sorry I came in a little late, but um, you good? I uh, I'm actually trying to do some research on a property. I found the owner, and looks like she may be deceased, but she's still listed on title. And What's doing state? some more digging, New York, Nassau County to be exact. So oh. I did I did a little bit more digging, got in touch with the county clerk office, and they still have her on on deed. And I did some more digging and I found out that a, a law firm is actually paying the taxes. So now I, I, I got the number to the Supreme Court there in uh, New York. And they said that um, it's it's been foreclosed on. But if it's been foreclosed, uh, does the state actually own it or the county own it? And I don't understand what the process is in between that to find out if I can even obtain it or not. I would verify that it's been foreclosed on because if it's been foreclosed on, whoever foreclosed on it is going to own it, whether it's the state, whether it's the mortgage mortgager or whoever had any, any liens on it. If it's been foreclosed on, they're going to be the owners of that property. It just might not have uh, been updated inside the, the county website yet. So I would verify if it has been foreclosed on because that's going to be a determining factor. 100%. Yeah, it does have a case, uh, not to cut you off, it does have an index case number, which is... um. Wilmington versus the the owner, and um, it said 2018. So I'm figuring it may be like Wilmington Mutual or something like that, and they may be the owners, but they just. But I I still can't understand why the law firm is paying the taxes on it if it's like a trust situation or something. So what's going to happen is is if they feel the case is strong enough, they're actually going to prevent it before anybody else can take it. So if it's still in court, the court proceedings. They might have an injunction to cease the sale of it, or it might be open open to sell to another party as long as the debt is paid as far as for that pre-foreclosure. So it's really gonna first of all, you're gonna see if it's sold or not. And then second, if they have if it if it isn't sold, what can you do to stop the proceedings of it being foreclosed on? And if you can eventually step in and facilitate that property because and like we we've done this in texas too where we'll, we'll stop a foreclosure from the mortgager just to eventually take control of the property before it goes to the auction so gotcha. there, there's things you can do in certain states and it's really knowing if it's in foreclosure or not and then determining if you can facilitate and stop that transaction from proceeding Gotcha, gotcha. So I sent the email out to the law firm just to see if I can get a response back from them. So appreciate the advice, man. I appreciate the expertise. No problem, no problem. Also, I would add too, we our our best deals are tax delinquent owned by dead people. And if you can get like you can go to newspapers.com and legacy.com and search for the obituary and then call the heirs. Then you could also check to see if there's an estate file opened up too. I found that a a lot of the tax delinquent land deals, no one ever opened an estate. So in North Carolina, if somebody's been passed away over two years, we can just get the heirs to sign. But those are our best situations. Our best deals are dead people that are tax delinquent on their property and just learning how to find the heirs and how to go work the probates and the estates can, can be really huge. I'll add on to that. Probates are one of my best deals, man. So probate, get, my little secret is really easy. It's called myreipro.com and it costs to get it, but you can skip trace it. You find all the heirs and you call them and see who's in charge. See who, who, 
again, who's in charge? What is it called? They need the letter of testament to, to close it, but you can also do a uh, affidavit of airships. If there's just one brother and sister, they both want to sign it. You don't got, you don't have to go through probate. You could close it in 30 days. Just do an affidavit of airships as well. But my area pro you find the siblings and you can make it happen real easy. Yeah. So every close all, a lot of our deals. That's my REI pro. Yeah. My REI pro.com. And it costs, I don't even know what it costs. I used to have TLO TransUnion, but they're real strict. That's the best, but it's real strict. Otherwise, go to myreipro.com. That's what I use as a skip tracing service. I use it only as that. It's not a very good CRM. It's a shitty CRM, but it's very good for skip tracing. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. Uncle Carl and um, I don't know who that was. Is that Joe? I want to add on to that. I use uh, idicore.com. You need to have an LLC. It's about 50 bucks a month. But I believe that they have uh, TransUnion information and they have all the information for relatives, associates. So they have a criminal background, liens, a business, all that. What, what is that called? If you don't mind me. IDICore.com. IDICore. Very nice. Just another free one. Just so y'all know. True People Search. Totally free. And it is, it'll get you a lot of numbers. It's absolutely and, bizarre. You know, that's, that's what I've, I've been using um, fast people search, which is like, a, you know, a sister company or whatever. And I see a lot of people, but it seems like the people that are getting his heirs, all of them are either deceased and all of the numbers are not valid. So, you know, I've been looking at this place for about two and a half, three years now, trying to get into what to do about this. Yeah. A lot of resources out there. Just make sure you know your state laws as far as uh, probate, affidavit, airship. If you need to go to a probate attorney, all that stuff. Uh, if anybody gets any probate in Florida, definitely reach out to Adam Nicoletti. The dude's amazing. Does amazing work in Florida. So definitely reach out to him if you have any probate issues in Florida. But Texas is pretty straightforward. And I'm sure <laughs> Uncle Carl's got North Carolina on lock. And he has contacts to facilitate that stuff. So hey, uh, definitely. Hey. Go ahead. So Daniel, if you hire a probate attorney, they'll do all of this groundwork for you and find out how much, you know, like who owns it, how much it's going to be to get it and all that other stuff. They'll, they'll help you overcome the probate process. So with Texas, you just need an affidavit airship and have them sign an affidavit saying that they're the legal heirs and all the heirs are privy or uh, knowledge to this property. It's going to, and for Florida, they actually have to go to a probate attorney. So it's going to depend on the state. That's why it's, it's all state specific. So like Uncle Carl has probate attorneys that he has to handle these types of situations to make him better understand the process to solve it. For everybody, tomorrow we're actually getting on with uh, Logan Fulmer at 4 p.m. Central. Um, Logan Fulmer does a lot of these air, air type, airship type deals. And you guys can ask questions about that on the live tomorrow. But Logan Fulmer, he, he's done deals with like over 100 heirs and stuff like that. It's crazy. Or even like out of the country heirs where he's had to send people to, what's the, what's the word? Embassies out of, out, of, out of country to go get uh, notaries. So there's a lot of stuff that comes with that. And it's just understanding the process. Um, usually the attorney isn't going to understand real estate. They're just there to solve and release that problem. Users are not investors in most cases. They're just there to solve that probate problem and help you overcome that that issue that you need but to overcome. I, I think you've got to be the one to be the private investigator. You've yep. got to be the one to sometimes build the family trees to figure it out, at least to get started on it. The attorneys won't. I mean, they can help you by doing the title work and everything, but you you, you got to learn how to yeah build the family trees, find look for the estates, 
and make the phone calls and be the private investigator, you know, utilizing stuff like newspapers.com, legacy.com, even knocking on neighbors' doors. But but you sort of got to put the beginnings of it together, in my opinion, before you take it to an attorney. Yep, because the attorney's there is just to do the paperwork in, in essence. So you need to do the footwork and legwork in most of these cases to make sure everybody's on the same page and make sure you're talking to the right cousin or sister or brother or granddaughter, just in that situation, make sure they have that paperwork in order. So every state's going to be completely different and it's going to be state, state specific. And Uncle Carl, you said that you use legacy.com and, and newspapers.com to use as a resource to find out about the estate or how do you, how do you do that? That's, that's just to find out the heirs. So we'll pull the obituaries and then like if there's an estate open, let's say somebody's a will and they're going to probate it, you have to go the courthouse or have someone pull it, then you can pull the estate. This is what I've found with the tax delinquent properties. I would say 80 to 90% of the people die without estates and wills, or if they do, they don't probate them. So you got to, have to learn the intestate laws. So, so for, for like legacy.com, newspapers.com, find a grave, those are good for you know, finding the heirs and then building out, then, then you can use ancestry.com to build the trees. And then you also have to check, you know, for the estate files, if someone's open to state. But I would say a majority of people, I think it was, was it Dave was on here too? He does a lot of stuff like this. I find a majority of the people in these situations don't have estates and don't have wills. Yeah. And we're, we're there to solve that problem. That's, that's the whole issue. So it just gives you access to the obituary. So most obituaries is going to say, John Smith died, survived by wife, Mary, and their three kids, John, Bob, and Joe. So, you know, John, Bob, and Joe, and the wife. Boom. That's you're looking for those people. So it kind of shortcuts that other stuff. Yeah, thanks, guys. I, I was kind of doing the process that way, but I didn't have those resources. So it kind of, I mean, some of the names were matching up, and um, I just didn't have good data on it. But, um, Thanks for the resources, guys, and I appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Good question. Good question. Yeah. One, one thing, if you can't find people, check if they're dead. I've said this a couple of times. If a good, a good reason why you can't find somebody, whether through skip tracing or stuff like that, there's probably a good chance they, they passed away and you have to find the heirs for that property. So don't, don't miss out on those opportunities just because you can't find people. If you can't find them off the first rip, there's a good chance a lot of people that would marketing to that same property can't find them either. So it's a good chance to dig in when you get lost. Yeah, we use a, we, we like IDI Corp. We also use one called Ben Verified. It's a really inexpensive, like 22 bucks a month. And it also tell you if they're alive or dead. It's not a hundred percent accurate, but it's probably about 90, 95%. So you can, you can literally throw somebody and been verified and within, you know, 30 seconds to a minute, finding out if they're dead. And it also has links to their social media, relatives. You know, of course, it's not as good as the TLO, the IDI course and things like that, but it, it's a pretty good resource to have. I think everybody should have that because, you know, you want to know if the person's dead or alive and you can, you know, we stalk people on Facebook and all sorts of stuff. Some of our better deals we've been able to uh, Someday, you know, I'll talk about the, the deal where we found the lady who, who changed her name and we found her talking to her sister uh, on Facebook. So we were able to find the relative and get the deal. We'll probably make at least 50, 60 grand on it because we dived a little bit deep and found out she was dead 
and then that her name got changed. Opportunity, opportunity. Everybody's everybody's overlooking opportunity, and it's just simple as finding a niche, finding a niche in real estate. There's so many. I was uh, I've been amazed over my my short education into real estate of how many niches there are in real estate. But there's so many niches from land houses to property management to wholesaling to flipping, being an agent. So many niches that you can go down into and you just got to find your niche and kind of dive a little bit deeper than you normally would. And you can really dig out some gold just out there that's happening in your city that you're just overlooking. And other people overlooking just because they don't understand that niche. 100%. Javier. Hey, for checking the zoning on a piece of land, piece of property, Specifically in Bexar County, would you recommend the one-stop zoning map? Yeah, the CAD map. The CAD map is going to show the zoning for it and what it, what it currently is zoned for. And then you can even do like Google research of what that zoning means and what the parameters are for that zoning. And that's going to be okay. for every county. So for Texas, it's called the CAD. For Georgia, it's called GIS. It's going to be different for every state. Of what so it's every state for. does have one? Yeah, every state does have a, oh. a county tax appraisal. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. Not all of them might not have maps, but the counties are getting better to have map data, to have all that public information because they have to have all that public, all that publicly stored. So usually the states are on it and they use like one program to make sure all their stuff is updated, but every state's going to have their information. And some have, some states have more than others. Like I mentioned to Claude that Florida shows a lot of information more than a lot of other states. They, Florida really goes into deep as far as information that's available online that you can pull. A uh, quick question. What is the be- best method that you guys use to find active builders or developers? There's a couple different ways. Usually it's people that bought, bought, and, sold, bought and sold properties, the, the buyers. You can even see people that are new builds that have sold or new builds that are for sale. See who's the builder that bought that and built that property. Usually you can search, like even in Zillow, you can search by year built 2021 and you can see all the new builds that were built in 2021 that sold. So using free, free tools to figure out those buyers and see who, see who bought it. And you can, and somebody said some of the CAD information, like if you go to the county CAD or the, or the whatever tax appraisal district for that county, it might have like deed history. So you can see who that owner that did buy that property previously and figure out who bought that property. Thank you. Sure. Hey, Daniel, I can say something. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, this is um, Jimmy. Another way you can actually uh, find some buyers is contact the realtors that actually help those builders purchase yep. that lot. And when it comes down to those realtors, those um, those buyers end up paying a lot more than uh, most of those builders in the area. But reach out to realtors. Realtors has buyers. I mean, a lot of buyers that's going to buy them at a full asking price all the time. Yep. The your network, man, you got to tap into your network. They the agents are definitely a good resource to to utilize, especially if you're not local. Hundred percent. Thanks, Jimmy. Who's got another question? Or we got room for one or two more? Who's stuck somewhere? How do you do the skip trace on the hive mind? You can use any skip trace provider. Like I said, I'm not going to push anybody's here, but I actually own a skip tracing company. But you can you can really use anybody. True People Search is a free way. You can use, there's literally a ton of them, literally a ton. I of thought there was a skip trace option through HiveMind. Yeah, there is. It's the list, guys. You just hit skip trace and you can upload your list. I didn't see it, but I guess I'll just see it. It's going to be on the sidebar when you're logged in. Okay. But yeah, it, it depends. Like I said, there's a million skip tracing providers out there. Some are better than others. 
definitely gets the job done. I got my first deal using True People Search. So I was, okay. ma- I, was ma- I was manually skip tracing. So you got to do what you got to do sometimes. It, it works either way. Okay. It just takes more time. Okay. Yeah, you, can, you. you can go to onelistguys.com too. The number one listguys.com. Oh, thanks for that too. Because I was going to type in O-N-E probably. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Good question. Good question. Who's got it? One more question. Quick question. So ahead, when I find these builders, developers, I like I've uh, I've said I source off market deals. Can I bring you a property and you tell me how much is how much you're willing to pay? But should I have them sign a non disclosure agreement or should I just keep it chill at the beginning? Keep it chill, man. The non disclosure agreements it really throws a lot of people off, and you don't want to be associated with that in some cases. If it's if needed or required, you can go that direction, but it's just, it creates a lot more steps that aren't really necessary. You just ask for their buying criteria. Usually they're going to give you certain zip codes, certain size properties, certain zoning types that they're going to buy and what they're going to buy it for. It's just got to ask for the buying criteria. That's the way to get to the answer. I just want to give a shout out to Joseph. I see him truck driving over there. I have, I, for everybody who doesn't know, I used to truck drive years ago and I appreciate him listening to the, listening to the call because that's what I used to do when I was truck driving. So, shout out to Joseph over there. <laughs> You'd be safe out there. No, it's cool, man. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you, sir. Thank you for um, that. Is that and um, a friend of mine from Florida. Her name is Zamora. She's the one that sent me the link. And I'm driving now in Pennsylvania, so I just check it and uh, listen to it. So, guys, and I had a very, 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 very great information here. So, I'm very glad that be part of it today. So. Just that's why myself on real estate that because I, I want to stop driving the truck and then get get what I have to do for my family for my for my next generation. Nice, awesome, man. Yeah, for everybody to know, I, I used to I started I used to truck drove for two years. I actually started my own trucking company, so I'm very familiar with trucking and all that space. So, shout out to yeah, Joseph. yeah, yeah. Thank you so much again. And I yeah, I've been driving since 2011, July 25th. I got my CDL in a month and then I started driving and then bought a truck in two years later. But now, so I believe that I got to, I got to build an empire for my three kids coming up, three kids. So that's what I mean. I'm here and then learning, learning, learning every day. Thank awesome, you so much. Man. Awesome. <laughs> Somebody, uh, Uncle Carl says Daniel sort of looks like a truck driver. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, if that's a uh, compliment or <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Thank no. you. Thank you. No, that's awesome, man. For everybody out there, like I said, the, the business is easy. The biggest thing you got to understand is the knowledge. Once you get the knowledge, it kind of opens up your possibilities to excel. And that's it, man. You got you to gotta learn the knowledge, start doing the work, putting in action, and results will come of it. Yeah, that's true. Go ahead, Armando. What's the uh, app called? Supposedly, it was another, it's another, it's another service besides HiveMind where you could walk up to a property and you, you kind of like, take a picture of it and you find out information. So we like land glide. There's a couple of them out there. You can use like driving for dollars apps. They're going to do the same thing. It's going to show you the properties information as far as John Smith, their mailing address, if they live there or not. I usually tell you the acreage, how big the property is. And we, we like land glide. That's what I used to. I still use land glide. I know there's another service that came out that's just like land glide. That's free. I don't, I don't remember what it's called, but Langlide is like 5 to $10 a month. Langlide, you said? Langlide, yep. G-L-I-D-E? G-L-I-D-E. All right, thank you. 
Yeah, yeah. Deal Machine does something like that, but it's a bit more expensive. I think Deal Machine is like 90-something bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah, so deal, the Deal Machine, Drive for Dollar apps, they're all going to do the same thing, but Langlide is specifically just for that, for property research that you can do on the fly. So when people send me addresses, I'll just look it up, see who it is, if it's an LLC or a trust or a regular owner, and I can find out like their mailing address. And it's a quick little thing I do on my phone. And I, I've had I've had Langlide for over a year, and I love it. It's really cheap. It's like, I think it's like $9.99 a month, now that I think about it. All right, thank you. Yep, great little resource. For everybody here, we do these calls every Monday and Thursday. We appreciate everybody coming out. We had about 20 or so, over 20 people come in today. There's 17 people here now. But we provide these calls for you to educate and learn. And it's opportunity to you ask questions and for everybody to participate and offer some type of knowledge. I appreciate Uncle Carl for assisting today. He always brings in a lot of knowledge. I just reached out to Uncle Carl because I realized I haven't had him on the podcast. So we're going to schedule a podcast with Uncle Carl and we'll get, we'll get that out. So. And let me add one thing. If you guys get a chance to listen to Logan Fulmer, he, he's amazing. You guys really should be on that call. The stuff that he does is just absolutely amazing. The information he has, the know-how. Is that call tomorrow? Yeah, it's uh, tomorrow at 4 p.m. Central. 4, 4 p.m. Central. Oh, you guys in that weird Central time crap. Okay. I just do Central. Like, I'm in Pacific. It's 2 p.m. Pacific. 2 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Central, and 5 Eastern. Okay. Yeah, you guys, if you get a chance, seriously, that's he, he, he's really great. You get, you'll get a lot of great information from Logan. Yep. Hey, guys. No, just real quick. We were just talking about apps. I, I just remembered I came across an app called Regrid, and it kind of does the same thing. Is um, You just type in the address, and it pops up all the – you got to pay for other services, like, you know, I don't know, square footage and shit, but it'll pop – it'll show you who owns the property, at least, and um, where it's at and all that other stuff, too. R-E-I-G-R-I-D. All right. Yeah, so definitely check out tomorrow's. It'll probably be posted on the podcast side later this week or Monday next week. I'm not sure. But definitely check it out. It'll be live tomorrow, though, 4 p.m. Central. You can catch it on YouTube, Hive Mind CRM. But we'll release that one out soon. But yeah, definitely check it out. Logan is a good resource, and he got a lot of knowledge. I think he's done like, he has like, he's selling like $7 million a deal. $7 million in deals right now. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he's crazy does like 200 transactions a year but he's definitely a, definitely a, a plethora of information but we appreciate everybody coming out man this has uh, been a great call appreciate everybody participated next call is thursday at 7 central 7 p.m central same place same time have a great day guys all right thank you guys thank you so much for everything thank you bye thank you bye, bye guys The show is sponsored by The List Guys. Do you need more leads in your local or virtual market? One in 10 small businesses don't invest in any kind of marketing. The List Guys have over 35 plus list types to choose from and you can mix and match any list or criteria. We also use the skip trace list and provide up to seven numbers and email addresses. Every list you purchase will be scrubbed against previous purchases. The List Guys are here to save you time. Contact the List Guys today at www.1listguys.com. That's www.1listguys.com.